to Blissfully Aware, the show in which three opinionated people discuss what's going on in fandom and nerd news in general. I am Bliss, and as always, I'm joined by my two lovely co-hosts, Kelty and Kendra. Hello! Hey, everyone! <laughs> We're doing the big drama this week! Oh, boy! We're doing the big... Hashtag is cancelled party. <laughs> I sure wish something else had happened this week. Man, you mean you didn't enjoy this YouTube video about how Lindsay Ellis was cancelled? This was peak YouTube. <laughs> this was painful like. to watch. This was... I actually would not have watched this if we didn't have a podcast. No, yes, I would have fully not watched this <laughs> if I didn't have to uh, now talk about it for an hour. But you know what? That's what we're gonna do. We're going to talk about for mm -hmm. an hour. We gave Lindsay our clicks, which means... We did. We get to weigh in now. I paid I paid with my eyeballs, <laughs> and so now I have an opinion. And with my emotional health. Yes, my emotional labor, as, <gasps> as the wokes say. I should say, up top, so we are covering the Lindsay Ellis I Was Cancelled video, and mm -hmm. we do not completely disagree with everything she says. No, God, she talks for almost two hours. I would hope I agree with something she says. Up front, I think that everybody here would agree that we're all pretty much fans of Lindsay Ellis for the most part. I mean, I've been watching her videos, no joke, since 2009. Yeah. Nostalgia chick days. And so, you know, it was a little upsetting when she was like, none of you are even here for this part of the internet. It's like... Bitch, you're, I, not, you're not the only one I'm who here. remembers the 90s. <laughs> but, you're not the only plus 30 woman on the internet. Yeah, God, right? So I have enjoyed Lindsay Ellis's videos, her, her analysis, her content, <laughs> you know, for a long, long time. If anyone wants to give her a fair assessment of this here clusterfuck, it's me. I, I, I quite like her, her analysis most of the time. Me too. So... And usually, even when I disagree with her analysis, I'm like, eh, I have points. It's still usually thoughtful and well-researched, yeah. yes. Even if I think it's dead wrong, like I have before. Yeah, but, so we'll just, get into that. This is, this is fully in good faith, Lindsay, because um, I know you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> this is fully just our honest-to-God, true opinions about this embarrassing little dust-up and I, uh, like, get so do we it. want to explain why she is canceled at f in case someone on the internet didn't hear, or at least someone who would listen to our videos? <laughs> like, I know there are a lot of people on the internet who don't know who Lindsay Ellis is, but yeah. I assume not most people who would listen to our dumbass podcast. <laughs> yeah. So Lindsay Ellis of YouTube fame. Uh, she did a bad tweet. She had a scalding hot take on the latest Disney animated film, Raya and the Last Dragon. Bit of advice for you kids. Don't tweet through your frustrations. Just don't ever tweet through it. God. Really don't. Never tweet through it. Never it's... tweet through it. <sighs> I get that it's like, you get defensive when people are calling you a bad thing. And mm -hmm. you want to rush to your defense and be like, no, 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 I wasn't bad. But just just don't fucking tweet through it, ever. Like, yeah. Go, like, go outside. <sighs> Take it well. Don't go outside right now. <laughs> Take a couple days at least. But yeah, just 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 unplug Twitter. Just be like, nope. Well, and this bad take on a Disney movie was 
on the heels of her recent involvement in the Pincident. Uh, go watch that video if you want to understand more. But basically what happened was she and Sarah Zed weighed into fandom spaces and started a turf war of sorts. So that's the thing. Like, yeah. I would have so much more sympathy for Lindsay Ellis had she not contributed to a cancellation campaign very similar to this not a week beforehand and not towards someone who makes, you know, in the ballpark of $20,000 a month on Patreon, but just a fucking nobody. Internet nobodies who don't have the support system uh, she has. And then when people graciously tried to explain this to her and to Sarah Zed, they just both sort of laughed in their faces, being like, lol, go outside, touch grass, the internet's not real. <laughs> so then for this for this to happen not even a week later, oh, that was some cosmic timing. Okay, so the initial tweet, the initial very bad tweet, was on March 26, 2021. Also watch Raya and the Last Dragon, and I think we need to come up with a name for this genre that is basically Avatar The Last Airbender Redos. It's like half of all YA fantasy published in the last few years anyway. So a lot of people took offense to her comparing Raya and the Last Dragon to Avatar The Last Airbender because they perceived her meaning to be just all Asian-inspired YA fantasy. Yeah. yeah. So we'll get to why that wasn't her point. But that wasn't her point. And when challenged, she did not handle it well. She does not handle being challenged well at all. No, since I have begun watching her videos, her work, she absolutely does not take criticism well. I think, and again... This is my interpretation. I do not know the woman, but it appears that she is very insecure. And when she is criticized, even in good faith, even constructively, it's hard for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another thing was that she says the initial reaction of people saying that she was being a little reductive by comparing Avatar and Raya, they're mostly white. Which, again, I am not the knower of all things on the internet. But when I was looking at the people uh, criticizing her or claiming that this could be racist, they were mostly Asian women. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, it's hard to tell. People aren't always who they say they are on the internet. But some of them were, like, they were official accounts of Asian authors. So yes. that just seems so, like, I don't know. I'm going to say, I'm going to be saying good faith a lot this episode. Because it's the only way to describe, like, taking on criticism in sincerity. But that doesn't seem like a very good faith interpretation of the criticism. Mm-mm. Feels dismissive. Very dismissive to say, all the people complaining about this were white. It's one hell of an assumption for sure. Well, I, I gotta say, like, I found out about the drama by seeing her tweets screencapped and being talked about in a thread by an Asian author, like a female Asian author. Most of the people interacting with those tweets, which were not Lindsay Ellis's original tweets, but the screencapped tweets, were also Asian people. Uh-huh. And, like, totally, I don't think that's what she was trying to say of all Asian YA fantasy is inspired by Avatar. It was more, apparently, about the narrative structure mm-hmm. rather than 
the setting being inspired by, like, Asian medieval fantasy-esque sort of setting. Mm-hmm. But her tweet was poorly vague. Timed. Well, poorly timed, first of all, especially in America. And, like, sort of vague and pithy enough. If you didn't know both of those properties really well, you might not understand what she's comparing about the two of them. Yeah. Right. Like, she later says, nobody even saw this movie. And, like... You should probably take that into account whenever you tweet something like that. Like, at face value, it's going to seem like it's saying something else. Like you are just comparing two well-known animated features set in Asian-inspired fantasy fantasy worlds. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. I I just want to just get it out. But like, she says at this one point in her video, she's like... This other YouTuber made this exact same comparison in a video, but they didn't get any hate, and I wonder why that is. And I'm going to tell you that my assumption is because this was prior to a mass murder of Asian women. Yeah, unfortunately, the timing was within a few days of the Atlanta mass shooting. So, like we said, very poorly timed. The community yeah, was sensitive. We were, understandably, we were all a little tense, and like everybody on Twitter was hashtag stop Asian hate or or a racist. Mm-hmm. The two camps on yep. on the other side, and so it felt very targeted due to poor timing. Well, and also to me, the more the more poor reaction on her part was she fires off this bad take. Goes to bed, apparently, wakes up the next morning, everyone's mad at her. And so rather than, like, taking a minute and being like, oh, wow, these people really read into something that I didn't intend. Oh, no, that's, like, this is not at all what I meant. She she then gets super defensive on Twitter, saying that everyone who thought this or had this, like, had this reading of her tweet was, like, a bad actor and, and doing so in bad faith, or too stupid to understand her real meaning, obviously. And none of you even saw this movie, so how dare you critique my opinion? And, like, to me, it was her reaction to the criticism that was way more embarrassing. Also, than... her reaction to the criticism included the phrase if you squint, which felt a little... Yeah, yeah that was unfortunate. Correct. <laughs> like, come Again. on! Come on! Again, like, you should... Maybe do a reread on your tweets before you send them. Like, you have 300,000 followers. And I know that's apparently not a lot for you, <laughs> but it is. It's Trust a lot. Me. Yeah, okay, so let's get into the blow by so, yeah. blow. So she goes, she fires off the bad tweet, goes to bed, wakes up, fires off more bad tweets about her bad tweet, and then deletes her account. That is the long and the short of what actually happened. And people were big mad that she basically deleted her account rather than engage with anyone's criticism, good or bad faith. Mm -hmm. And then about a week later posted a massive air quotes apology video that is really not an apology video. Which is not what this is. There's a lot going on in there. That's a big video. Yeah. It's a lot. So yeah, let's uh let's dive right on in. Her video starts, not even part one, just just our cold open, is her talking about how she was at a restaurant with her mother talking to the bartender. The bartender asks what she does and she says, oh, I'm a writer. And so then the bartender says, oh, well, I'll Google you. 
And as the bartender's Googling her, she says, well, I'm super canceled right now. And then she goes into this deep explanation of what the history of the term canceling comes from, which, yeah, I mean, sure. Okay. It's, it's very much in the style of Lindsay's videos. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's critical analysis 101 is like historical precedence. Yeah. <laughs> it's very undergrad essay. <laughs> so yeah, her, her explanation was that canceled in its original intended use was, or wasn't, I should say, an attempt to instigate a boycott or hold someone to account and more of a personal decision. Like, I'm done with you. Yeah. Now, canceling is more along the lines of a call to deplatform somebody and publicly shame them, which, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of. Is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of a joke now. That's, that's fine. Well, yes, it's, <laughs> I feel like the rhetoric of it was always a little bit jokey because the term, like, to cancel someone is just so exaggerated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, to cancel them means to basically, like, remove them from existence and from history. And that's just not achievable by any stretch. So I feel like originally the usage, even when people were being serious about it, was always a little bit comical. Yeah, tongue-in-cheek. Like, I don't know if anyone says cancelling and means it except for pundits on Fox News. Mm. (laughs) So she then goes on to complain that her name was trending for several days after this bad tweet and her deleting her Twitter and says, do these people not realize I'm not a real celebrity? I've published all of one book that only reached number seven on the New York Times list. (laughs) I thought she was joking. That was was hard to sit through. (laughs) Like she was... Like, she wasn't being sarcastic when she said that. Are you, I don't that? know. She Hard has this say. tone. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. She does have this tone where it it always feels a little dismissive and contrite. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, it was throughout the whole video, she really attempts to downplay her, her sphere of influence. And like, yeah, she's obviously not a fucking household name, but she's got over a million YouTube subscribers. Her videos regularly get two or three million views, often more. Like, I don't think it's inaccurate to say that she is a well-known YouTuber, especially in the field of media criticism, and that her actions, whether problematic or not, reach a fair, wide-ranging audience. The fact that you're recognized at all in LA means, means that something. you are a celebrity in a, like, in a sense. Girl, you work for PBS! It is a form of celebrity. I'm only just a little small-time writer whose novel debuted on the New York Times bestseller list. Oh, woe is me. So, okay. She goes on to her first official point. Or part. There's like nine parts of this video, y'all. So just like buckle up. Strap in. Heads up, this might be a long video. I'm shooting for mm-hmm. under her hour and 40 minute mark, though. <laughs> um, so part one, Twitter is garbage. And she starts out Fair. by comparing... Which isn't wrong. No, <sighs> that's true. She starts out by comparing herself to Justine Sacco, which is a choice. One of the first... Yeah, one of the first ever instances, I would guess, of Twitter cancellation. Yeah. Yeah. Way back in 2014, I think? Yeah. So if you don't know who she is, she was a a PR exec for a company. She was traveling to Africa and she shoots off this, what she considers benign jokey tweet. Uh, Going to Africa, hope I don't get AIDS. Just kidding. I'm white. And it catches traction with somebody and then it just 
Ethan blows up. She's got the hashtag about when she's going to land. Somebody goes to the airport to take a photo of her. It's this whole mess. She loses her job. She fires off this tweet and then gets on a plane. Mm -hmm. So no one can reach her. So this thing spirals out of control. It was from New York to South Africa. So that's a long flight. And so basically, because the life cycle of Twitter is so immediate, this thing gets traction. I believe an editor from BuzzFeed retweets it, Mm. like, hoping to get her fired, like, in his tweet. So people are, like, contacting her employer, contacting her family members while she's in the air and can't do anything about it. And people are, like, gleefully salivating, awaiting for her to land so that they can see the emotional fallout happen on this woman. Yeah. Because they were just so eager to watch this person's life get destroyed, and they knew about it already, and she didn't. It was the anticipation of watching someone's life be destroyed in real time for a bad tweet. Which is not what happened to Lindsay. <laughs> no, no, <God>, no. <laughs> yes, not at all. <laughs> not comparable, hon. She does go on to describe the effect, though, as being the villain of the day, which I think is kind of apt. Oh, totally. Yeah, I'd buy that. And what she describes the process of being the villain of the day equals up to is person says dumb thing, it gets some attention, person gets defensive, the defensiveness spurns outrage, people start coming out with receipts, OP deletes their Twitter, <laughs> which is yeah. what... What did happen to Lindsay? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's usually the playbook, too. Most like, of us don't delete our whole Twitter, usually we'll just delete the tweet. But yes. Like, you know. and, yeah, it is what happened. It is usually what happens with other semi, I guess, notable people. It's what happens with small nobodies. Especially when it's over a topic like racism or homophobia or something that's very charged. Mm-hmm. So... Example, I'm white. If one of my Asian friends tells me that I did something racist, I'm going to believe them mm-hmm. because they would know. I'm probably not going to argue like, no, it wasn't. Like, I might say like, God, I didn't mean it that way and like adjust my behavior. Or if one of my straight friends does something homophobic and I tell them, I expect them to believe me because I am the queer one. Right. You'd you'd think that, but... The, the problem with that is, of course, marginalized communities are not a monolith. Not all queer people agree on what is homophobic. That's not true. all people of color, of, you know, different ethnicities and races agree on what is racist. And so there is this, like, pity truism that gets repeated on Twitter a lot of, like, believe X, you know, believe victims, believe women, believe queer people, believe disabled people. And while that's a good, like, starting point for, like, baby's first checking of the privilege, (laughs) it's not super useful building ideologies going forward because a lot of women, queer people, disabled people, people of color disagree mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. what is harmful and like the uh, there's another pithy saying that says like your intentions don't matter if you caused harm uh and like maybe that's true for some people but it's absolutely not true for me like it matters a huge amount to me whether 
someone was acting in ignorance or malice. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. like, the harm caused might not be the same. Like, if someone does something stupid unknowingly, my feelings might be really hurt. But that's so very different to me than someone doing something hateful mm-hmm. yeah. out of wanting to harm me or people like me. Basically, like, the listen to X mentality is kind of just the other side of this is fine because my black friend said I could. Yeah. It just feels very much like like asking for permission. Go get a hall pass. Yeah. 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 Ta-da. Well, so then we move on to part two. Valid criticism. In which <sighs> she just finishes talking about the Raya tweet. And so now she's talking about how some Asian creators were offended at the implication that all Asian-inspired things are the same, quote, genre. Which they're not, and that's not what she was saying. But if if a bunch of Asian creators come to you and say, hey, I perceive what you say to mean x then maybe mm-hmm. reevaluate what you said yeah like don't, don't like don't get immediately defensive like that is, is that not the definition of white fragility yeah it's like anytime someone challenges you about doing a racist thing you immediately go no i didn't yeah like goddamn like it just it would have been so much easier to just understand that it was the statement was easily misconstrued Mm-hmm. From what I saw, I have to point out, first and foremost, the ratio didn't really seem cancelable. That was the thing for me, too. Like, I, I was looking at her tweets. I was actually looking at her tweets the minute she deleted her account. <laughs> because suddenly I clicked on one and they weren't there anymore. Yeah. But I, So I was looking at her, like, her defensive tweets later of being mm-hmm. like, you're all just too stupid to know what I'm trying to say. And, like, they were getting, like, a couple hundred retweets. Like, this was not, like, full-blown outrage cancellation numbers to me. Oh, no. Well, and she even says that's an oopsie in this part of the video. Like, she acknowledges that tweeting through it was a mistake. And that deleting her account was a mistake. So, yeah, she then discusses how she was accused of Mm -hmm. contributing to Asian hate crimes in, like, a huge overstatement of harm. And, yeah, I get people were emotional and they were tweeting through it. No, I think at the very least this was a microaggression that she was unaware of. Well, and she makes a point of also saying, you know, she was being uh, bowled down by mountains of hyperbole in this overstatement of harm. So that's why she couldn't parse out the in good faith criticisms from the bad faith criticisms, which uh, I don't know, Lindsay, you replied to a bunch of tweets. So I mean, that to me just sounds like a big fat excuse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you didn't technically have to engage with any of this, like just like, boom, it was brought to my attention that the phrasing of this tweet led some people to believe that I was comparing the Asian settings. That was not my intention. Fucking, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, boom, done. One tweet. <laughs> Let's go get shit fake. Like, you didn't mean to say a stupid racist thing, but you're also not diminishing someone, uh, someone else's experience of your words as potentially racist. Like, 
why was that so impossible for her? I don't know. She like, does fuck. later bring up that she feels it's dangerous to give insincere apologies. So having a stock apology on the, you know, hip ready to shoot. So I get that. And I, I well, like, do. Here's the worrying thing to me. Here's the worrying thing about that. Is that why would that apology have been insincere? Yeah. yeah. That's is she means. not sorry? Is she not sorry that her tweet was interpreted as racist? I I fully believe you had no racist intent behind this tweet, Lindsay. But people saw it that way. And I know you think it was all white people, but I, with mine own eyes, saw Asian people saying that too. So, God, if I said something and someone said, you know, that sounded racist to me, God, I would apologize for that. Like, even if that was 100% not my intent, I am still sorry that I contributed in some way to your experience of that. Yeah. And like, yeah. why is that an insincere apology to be like, this was not at all what I meant? Uh, part three is white nonsense, where she goes on to continue complaining that everybody who was criticizing her was white. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a bad take, girl. <laughs> okay, Lindsay. It is at this point in the video, though, that I must point out, she does allude to the pincident. Um... She makes this joke saying, um, well, she says another stupider thing that happened a few weeks prior about fan fiction ethics and then laughs and says, actually, it was about ethics and fan fiction and then laughs and like two sentences later uh, says it was Hannibal pretend people kissing pretendedly like it wasn't an issue that (sighs) caused a week long dog pile. Yes, like it was. A stupid oh. fandom drama. On a small business. And not... A small queer-owned business. Not a harassment campaign exactly like this one, only directed at someone who doesn't pull in $20,000 from Patreon every month. Yeah. Like, come on! <laughs> Lindsay, what the fuck? Does there have to be someone stupider than you in the video in order to save your own ego? Yes. Yes, Lindsay, I believe... That this harassment campaign that you faced was over the top and unnecessary and not constructive and a huge case study as to why Twitter is garbage. So now please imagine that instead of being a well-known film and media criticism YouTuber with a hefty Patreon paycheck and millions of subscribers... You are instead a nobody with no following and no fans to defend you. And rather than getting canceled over a stupid tweet that felt kind of racist to some people, you are instead getting canceled over which characters you think should kiss in a book or a movie or a show. And if you disagree, you're a pedophile. And you're an abuser. Like, and you have no people to come to your defense. And you're getting doxxed. And you're getting doxxed. And you're getting getting sent suicide bait. And you're being outed to your family. You are getting fired. You are getting sent cookies with needles in them. Mm. Like, this is not fandom drama. You could switch out fandom with any other subculture. And this drama would still be just as pernicious and dangerous. And that was infuriating that she had the gall to make a stupid joke about 
the Hannibal fandom drama her when <laughs> it's actually about people's lives being ruined. I guess you can understand then what her takeaway was from the supposed private conversation she had with a handful of uh, fandom discourse accounts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is contributing to those hate campaigns. And could you not, please? <laughs> and, you know, I can't help but take the tiniest bit of short in Florida that Lindsay Ellis got her own ass canceled not even a week later. Yeah. yeah. Like, and is now like, how could Twitter allow this? <laughs> <laughs> then we move on to part four, my list of sins, where she essentially makes a drinking game out of apologizing. Mm-hmm. She pulls out a shot glass and a bottle of whiskey and says, you know, she'll take a shot every time she feels like she needs to apologize for something on this. So... And I need to say, like, throughout the video, she has many screen caps of tweets, like, you know, being mean to her. And a lot of them are not censored. Yeah, I thought that was disgusting. The usernames are not censored. That's really uncomfortable. a lot of those people, because I checked, have been experiencing intense harassment since this video came out. Um, And including one of the people she called a diet Nazi being a Jewish person. Yeah. So love love girl, to hear that. What the fuck? <laughs> well, Kendra, you misunderstand. She's not a celebrity. No one is going to watch her canceled video. I I guess, right? <laughs> I mean, like I, she only I gets can. recognized a handful of times in public <gasps> and has a fucking debut novel on the New York Times bestseller list. It seems like you're sicking dogs on people. Well, cuz that's what happened. Yeah, she did, but she doesn't see it that way. So let's let's tear through this non-comprehensive list of her sins. We're not going to dwell on them because if you actually care for her apology, uh, go watch her video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she makes long arguments about why she doesn't have to apologize for most of these things. Uh, or why mm-hmm. she's already explained them, which I think needs to be stated. That's fair. The internet doesn't keep receipts for apologies. No, I mean, I said that before on an episode of just like, Twitter's terrible because now your stupid fucking thought is preserved for all time. And the apology does not follow that thought around. Mm -hmm. Uh And like, that is definitely a problem. And yeah, the, the thing is like her list of sins, quote unquote, big, you know, drama queen, Lindsay Ellis, ranges from like basically nothing to stuff I think is very troubling. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So let's get started. 2020, Harriet Tubman fan fiction. In 2020, Lindsay Ellis tweeted, Someone sitting in front of me on this plane is watching the movie Harriet, and I find myself wondering whether there's any Raylo style fan fiction between Harriet and her Twinkie former owner, and suddenly grateful that the connection on this plane is not strong enough for me to check. Hmm. Okay, Lindsay. Something you said. <laughs> I-, I get that Harriet Tubman's slave owner in this movie is a completely fictionalized character, and you're yes. talking about, you know, complicated relationships and blah, blah, blah. There were better it ways to say It was a fucking that. <laughs> terrible tweet. God damn it. Yeah. Like, just to compare the pairing of Raylo at all, like Ray and Kylo Ren from Star Wars... To a slave owner and his slave. Mm. Let's let's ignore the fact that Harriet Tubman's a real person. <laughs> if she was a completely fictional slave, that is not at all comparable to nope. the pairing of not, Kylo Ren and not Rey. The same thing. Nope. But she is a real person. <laughs> 
And like, I get that the movie's bad, fun, but maybe keep that one in the drafts, as the kids say. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad take, Lindsay. So take a shot. I don't think she actually apologized for it, but she definitely takes a shot at that moment. Um, mm-hmm. 2009, autistic temper tantrum. For context, in 2009, Lindsay was a part of Channel Awesome. Channel Awesome... Uh, it was, it was like a it was like a proto YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So she makes this a joke about the beast in the Christmas special sequel to Beauty and the Beast. Bell's enchanted Christmas. <laughs> Throwing an autistic temper tantrum when he storms off from uh, an exchange with Bell. And apparently that is a joke that she regurgitated after hearing one of her edgy college friends. She she makes this joke, excuses it as wanting to be, you know, edgy and prove that she's cool enough to hang out with the boys. And I am willing to forgive that because I understand Channel Awesome days were rough and we should definitely do like a historical dive into it someday. 2009 was a different time. We've all made bad edgy jokes. For sure. <laughs> yeah, like I haven't put them in a video for you know, thousands of people to see. But yes, I I completely understand that that was over 10 years ago and she acknowledges it was bad and fine. Like that's, again, that's one of the little ones that's so minor to me as to not not warrant inclusion. As an autistic who makes those jokes, I didn't even really notice it at the time or... Or even in the video, I was like, oh, I guess that's bad. Like, again, I'm not saying I speak for all autistic people, but it just didn't. She does apologize for this one, though. Take a shot. 2013, disliking the Prince of Egypt is anti-Semitic. And I'm going to preface this one with I have a lot of feelings about it (laughs) that could make up its own entire video. And we will not get into all my thoughts. Me too! Me three. And I'm a fucking goy, so I can't imagine all Same the thoughts Z's. you have there, Bliss. Yeah, my Jewish ass is pressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh... This, I think, is is maybe her worst take. First of all, I don't think that not liking the Prince of Egypt is anti-Semitic. I just think her opinion on this film is terrible. <laughs> which is surprising to me, because again... I usually more or less agree with her criticism. Mm-hmm. So this one, like, I didn't, I did not follow her Twitter back in 2013. I still don't. But I had never seen this until, like, you know, the shit popped off and everyone was bringing out the receipts. So I was shocked, absolutely shocked at her absolute dog shit take on The Prince of Egypt. Yeah, bad take, One of my Daddy. favorite all-time films. <laughs> Yeah. One of the best animated films. One of the like, best American animated films of all time. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Says me. Says, says me as well. And me. I'm glad there's consensus. <laughs> Motion passed. <laughs> um, all right. So yeah, the... Aren't you Pope now? Yeah. <laughs> the gist of her tweets, because it wasn't just one, was her essentially trying to crowdsource whether or not people would be interested in her talking about the Prince of Egypt. But posing it as how she thinks it's weird that in The Prince of Egypt, the genocide of a bunch of Egyptian children is praised as a miracle. And then says, you know, well, I don't think the Book of Exodus works as a kid's movie. And I I find this all in juxtaposition of her standing Danny from Game of Thrones very odd. (laughs) Me too! 
Yeah. A little hypocritical. Yeah. Okay. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna go. I'm going full stand here for a moment. Excuse me. So, The Prince of Egypt, for those who aren't aware, is an animated film about the early life of Moses, yes. the the historical biblical figure, and how he goes from being a Jewish adopted child in the Pharaoh's household to leading the Hebrews from slavery in Egypt to the promised land, like the Bible says. Mm -hmm. And the film, more so than the Bible or like previous adaptations of this story, like the Ten Commandments, focuses on the fictionalized relationship between Moses and his adopted brother, Ramesses II, and how this subjugation of his people is is manifested in their like interpersonal relationship mm -hmm. because they were more or less raised as brothers didn't know that Moses was a foundling and because of that Moses was initially very blind to the horrible enslavement of a whole group of people that his that his society profited off of and so yes in the like it's not really the climax but in in the film, there is a long extended sequence of the angel of death coming down and exacting the last plague of Egypt, which is the death of the firstborn Egyptian. Well, technically, the death of every firstborn child in, in Egypt, except for those who have sacrificed a lamb and marched the doors of the house with its blood. Mm -hmm. So this was always actually, this was actually always something I wondered. Like, out of a random Egyptian person saw the Hebrews doing this thing and got super superstitious <laughs> and was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put some lamb's blood on my door just to be safe. Would the angel, would the angel Same. have passed them? Like, so not to get like, religious theology about it but in the Talmud it does say that uh that there were some Egyptians who decided to listen to the Jews at this point <laughs> and, and they were spared and they were spared and they joined uh, awesome. the Jews in the mass exodus I love that well and also that's that amazing. Is, that's great that is shown in the movie some Egyptians leave with the Hebrews in yes. the Prince of Egypt that's true yeah for what it's worth it's very yeah. pretty anyway um so, yes, there is a long, and it's like, I don't think the movie paints this as a happy moment. Nope. Oh, it is a no. long, silent, dark scene where this uncorporeal, disembodied, amorphous angel of death light being comes down from the sky in the middle of the night and spirits away all the souls of the, the Egyptian children, the Egyptian firstborn sons, including Ramesses' own son, and I guess you know, air. And that is how that horrible final plague is personalized between the two brothers, is that Moses basically has to stand by and watch his nephew get murdered because of his brother's stubbornness. Mm -hmm. And, like, Lindsay Ellis assigns the blame for this to the Hebrews? Yeah. Not yeah. to the Egyptian king who is keeping them enslaved. She also calls the Egyptian king who's keeping them enslaved kind of a jerk. And not, <laughs> yeah. you know... Yeah, like, the, the murder <sighs> of his son was justified because he was kind of a jerk and not brutally enslaving peoples of the earth yeah, <laughs> to build like, his pyramids. Again, I'm a goy, but I loved this movie as a kid. And that scene is not a heroic happy miracle scene, it's a very tragic scene. Yes, 
that's like, a very humanizing moment even for Ramses because you're like, oh my god, if only you would just listen to your brother and, and learned that slavery was bad. Because <laughs> why? And now look at what's happened. And it's it's heartbreaking. I cry every single time. She also says, I don't think that it's supposed to be a kid's movie. I would argue The Prince of Egypt isn't a kid's movie. Yeah. It's it's family friendly in a sense. But it's not a kid's movie. It's not Thomas the Tank Engine. It's not. People conflate animation and animated features as uh, only being for children, which I, as a fan of animation, find incredibly frustrating. But yeah, no, I, I would agree that this isn't a children's movie. <sighs> I, I was I was just incredibly I was I was offended at her like continuously doubling down when people kept popping up and being like hey I'm Jewish and this is kind of offensive or you know that meant a lot to me or you know I'm not sure and her continued it's a genocide it's a genocide you're all just wrong <sighs> yeah but like, like the thing is is first of all no it's not a genocide no. like just strictly on a technical basis. It is a mass murder. It's not a genocide. But it's also not something that Moses or the Hebrews do. Mm-hmm. No. It is something that God does. Yes. In defense of his chosen people. And you can argue that that's good or bad, but it's definitely not on the character of Moses or the Hebrew people. Yeah. She they, also said... They didn't do it to... The Egyptians. Every Hebrew in the city didn't take a knife and rise up and <laughs> slaughter Egyptian children. She also says, like, this is done by the good guys. Which was a weird way to phrase it. Because, like, the whole point is God's not a good guy or a bad guy. Well, you just do what he says. <laughs> he's he's God. He just is. And it's not done by the good it's guys. It's not done by the good guys. Moses doesn't decide to do it. Again, this is something that God has told told Moses is going to happen unless Pharaoh releases the slaves and Pharaoh says no still and so it happens this is not something that again the Hebrews concoct yeah as like a slave rebellion and yes so this this take was triply confusing to me when Lindsay Ellis comes down so hard in favor of Daenerys Targaryen in Game of Thrones, a character who also uses violence to combat slavery, and further, a character who is not of the enslaved ethnicity. No. Like, Danny has some white savior tones to Real her character. Bad white savior tones. And like so it's 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 just it's like I would honestly love to sit down with Lindsay Ellis and be like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> because I don't understand how she can hold. Why uh, is this take? How she can hold two opinions that are so um, incongruent with each other. Yeah, it, it's an argument. As a Jewish person, I have heard many times. I get real tired of it. I get real tired of it. And so she does apologize for using the word genocide. Specifically, that is the only thing she apologizes for. And then poses, I will never make a video about the Prince of Egypt. As if that's an apology. Which it's not, Lindsay. (laughs) I mean, good. Good. Good, girl. You We're have, really glad for that. You have bad opinions about it. You really should not advertise your face next to those thoughts. Mm-hmm. So yeah, take a shot because she did. I mean, like, the thing is, is again, I don't think it's necessarily anti-Semitic. 
Like, I think you could definitely make an argument that she's assigning blame to the enslaved population for their violence against slavery. But to me, this is just, she has a bad opinion about a movie. Uh, I don't know. It felt like a very anti-Semitic opinion. Like, and again, I don't think that it's on purpose, but I do think she needs to, uh... So as a Jewish person, I definitely felt, while probably not intentionally anti-Semitic, it rings of many, many anti-Semitic things uh, I have heard over the course of yeah. my life. So I, I perceive it as being anti-Semitic light. <laughs> yeah. Diet anti-Semitism, Lindsay. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, you might say. There was definitely some moments where she was attributing the death of children to an enslaved Jewish population that sounded very blood libel-esque. Yeah, it was a little... Hmm. Uh, so 2013's Charlie Angel's Niqab, and I hope I pronounced that right. I'm sorry if I didn't. Niqab. Niqab. It's fine. So... In 2013, she makes a video about how feminism is canceled, and in it she's wearing... It. Yeah, but it's like not even a niqab, it's like bed sheets. <laughs> yes. And she's cut holes uh, for pigtails to pop out of them, um, and she's wearing this because someone, one of her followers, had suggested it would be funny, and she acknowledges that she had Muslim followers say, please don't do this. And she chose to ignore them because she had a expat Egyptian neighbor that she happened to mention this joke to. And her uh, neighbor said, yeah, that's funny. So she decided that that was her hall pass. Yes. Yeah. She decided to do it apparently because she had gotten like, you know, typical being a woman on the internet feedback of, you know, she's dressing too slutty. She's dressing too frumpy. So she's just like, I'm going to I'm just going to wear a niqab i'm gonna do a full veil no one can see how i look and that's what we're doing moving forward because you can't win otherwise which i sympathize with but i definitely don't think this was funny (laughs) this was funny no or uh, this one definitely feels a little racist to me (laughs) and she does seem to genuinely apologize for this and has pointed out that she has apologized for this in the past Mm -hmm. and points out again that she acknowledges that just because her neighbor happened to think it was funny that people are not a monolith and so she should have listened to other people of color or other should have people. not done this. Yeah. Uh, so take a shot. <laughs> which is which is fair. Yeah. 2018, Stephanie Meyer Apologia. So Lindsay makes a video about participating in the misogynistic hate rhetoric that Stephanie Meyer received in early Twilight Days. Movie movie yes. Twilight Days. Uh-huh. Um, and did not include criticism about her culturally appropriating uh, Native American culture, and more specifically, the Quilute people. And her explanation for why she did not include that was that because at the time, uh, she both was trying to keep her videos under the 20-minute mark, and that was not rhetoric that was being used as a weapon against Stephanie Meyer. And she says that should she make that video now, she would have included some of that information. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I gotta, I just I, have to say, as someone who lives in southern British Columbia, very close to where the Quilu traditional territory is, the the racism against First Nations and Native American people in Twilight 
was a huge topic of conversation, at least where I was. I mean, yeah, I lived in Texas and nobody shut up about it. That um, was a big thing. I, and... I get that a lot of the the outrage about Twilight was it was a cheesy thing that girls liked. Yes. And girls aren't allowed to like cheesy things. Only boys are allowed to like cheesy things. And fine. I don't think Lindsay Ellis as a YouTuber is required to bring up every criticism of Stephanie Meyer's work when acknowledging that she faced a lot of misogynist backlash. But I do think that it's a little disingenuous for her to say this was not a topic of conversation in 2008, because it at least was where I was, where there are many First Nations people. Another thing that I didn't really... Like, I was prepared to give Lindsay Ellis a complete and utter pass on this one, because yes, it was not relevant to her topic, but then she's like... Also, Stephanie Meyer's depictions of the Quaalute people in her novels have helped them a lot because now they've gotten land back from the federal government because of all the money, the tourism money they've accrued. Yay. And that was <laughs> that that was weird to be like, see, it was good actually. Yeah. Probably <laughs> and- should have just Slept on that one, babe. Like, that's how... Yes, that's happened. The Quaalute people have managed to get federal land back from the U.S. federal government. But I don't think that indigenous peoples should be subject to appropriation and horrible misrepresentation in vampire romance fiction in order for that to take place. No. No. And so, a half-ass apology for that one. Take a shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2018, Tarzan transphobia. So she makes a video in 2018 about LeFou from the live action Beauty and the Beast movie being the first openly gay character that they've made, so they say. So they say every time they include a big air quotes openly gay character in one of their movies. Mm-hmm. And in one shot when she's, uh, oh, how, how, do, how would you describe it? Well, she just she just fully again takes uh takes one of ContraPoints' jokes and like girl like Lindsay, darling, from one uncharismatic white girl to another, you do not have the stage presence to pull off Natalie Wynn's jokes. No, you really I'm don't. sorry. But so she says something along the lines of like everyone's here, the L's, the B's, the G's, the T's and the Q's. And when she says each one of those letters, she shows a quick shot of a Disney character that I guess she assigns to these these letters as representation. And I don't even remember which is which. I just remember that Hades from Hercules is the Q, and that uh, the Rosie the Rosie O'Donnell gorilla yeah. is the T. Turk. Turk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she uses that character. Should have done that specifically in a dress. I should say. Yeah. Should have done that one. Not just the gorilla hanging out, but the gorilla in a in a dress. Yeah. Yeah. Don't Which do that. she acknowledges was a bad look because trans women are often uh, associated with gorillas. And yes, it's a very dehumanizing comparison. But mm-hmm. then also just says, and it wasn't a good joke. I should have used Mulan instead, which was a, a way to say that, Lindsay. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like she can't just actually sincerely fucking apologize. <laughs> she has to make some smart-ass remark about how she wasn't actually wrong, it just wasn't funny, and I needed to pick a funnier character. 
I guess. Mm-mm. So, Girl. 2017, Zack Snyder hates his mother. Oh, this was another case of bad timing. Yeah, man, she's got a gift for this. Very Oof. bad timing. So she had been having a conversation with someone on Twitter about how it is hard to criticize Zack Snyder's films without pissing off his fan base, which happened to be, uh, diet Nazis. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes, the like the alt right adjacent sort of fanboy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So someone says, you know, oh, I can take criticism of his movies, but not statements like I think Zack Snyder hates his mother. And her response to that was, well, I have it on good authority that Zack Snyder actually does hate his mother. She tweets this the same night that uh, Autumn Snyder, Zack's daughter, committed suicide. But yeah. the news doesn't break Oof. until the next morning. So, mm-hmm. super bad timing. Oof. Very unfortunate. Super bad timing. And also, I just need, like, okay, so, like, this is another one where she says, like, obviously this was sarcasm. How could anyone have taken this at face value as utter seriousness? And, like, fine, it was obviously sarcasm. But then there are, like, several tweets where she attempts to show the, like, persistent harassment she has faced because of her bad Raya take. One of them including, like, I'm so glad Lindsay Ellis is getting cancelled because I should be the number one Phantom of the Opera stan. Or something like that. And she includes this as an example of, like, genuine harassment she's been facing. And first of all, she's not even tagged in that tweet, so she had to go name-searching herself, something that she has mocked other people for relentlessly in the past. Mm -hmm. And two, that is also obviously sarcasm, Lindsay. (laughs) More obviously sarcasm than your your Zack Snyder. Why why do you deserve the benefit of the doubt and saying that it was obviously sarcasm all the time, but other people making fun of you don't. That seems rather hypocritical to me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Take a shot. Mm-hmm. Take a shot. 2020, misgendered another YouTuber. So on Twitter, Lindsay and Curio uh, were having a conversation and she misgenders them. And she apologizes and they work through it publicly on Twitter. But she did apologize for that. And you can... Go look up those receipts if you want them. So, take a shot. <laughs> 2012 Defending Cloud Atlas. <laughs> so, this one's unfortunate as well. In um, Oops. In relation to the current issue that she was cancelled for. So, she, <laughs> she basically says, in defense of cloud atlas that she doesn't think yellow face matters as much as blackface because of the history of blackface and she admits that she shouldn't have said that because while she has studied the history of blackface she didn't know very much about yellow face and um, was uncomfortable later after learning more and mm-hmm. feels bad <laughs> so take a shot here's a fun one <laughs> uh 2015 thinks bisexual erasure is fine. And and then Oof. she goes on to kind of admit that she still thinks yes. bisexual is fine. She very much still believes this. Yeah. And I understand, I mean, even like you were saying earlier, Kendra, not everybody's experience with queerness is going to be the same. But mm-hmm. she essentially, um, she thinks the bi experience is privileged because you can pass as straight, which is um, unfortunate. And I didn't like hearing it. No, like, here's the thing. 
as as a bisexual. <laughs> um, I think, and and I, full disclosure, I am a bisexual woman who has been in a relationship with another woman for about ten years now. So I believe that there is truth to the statement that my experience of queerness is different than that of a woman's who mostly dates men or, you know, dates women or sleeps with women sometimes, but, you know, wants to marry a man and settle down and stuff. I don't think it's correct to say those two experiences of queerness are the same. And I do think that there is an element of being able to, quote, pass as straight for bisexual people. Um, I don't think it's a privilege, necessarily, to have your identity erased. No. Definitely not. Like, I think you can acknowledge that there there is a different experience of queerness and of prejudice and oppression, while simultaneously not considering it a privilege to have your queerness erased and ignored. As a bisexual person, I was very uncomfortable with her particular phrasing when she says, while it's painful to be ostracized from the community, you can opt out and pass as straight. That felt a lot oh, like me too. go back into the closet vibes. <laughs> yeah, it very much feels it like did. she's like she's constructing attraction toward women as, like, a fun mm-hmm. extra for her. Yeah. And not some, like, integral part of her queerness. Don't take a shot, because she didn't apologize at all. So, 2014, bisexual gatekeeping. Mara Wilson and Lindsay Ellis used to be friends. And if you don't know who Mara Wilson is, she was in Mrs. Doubtfire, and she was uh, the little girl in Matilda... She's done a bunch of voice acting. She writes op-eds sometimes. She does a lot of tweeting. I love her. She's adorable. She uh, gave an interview years ago in which she described coming out to a friend and her unnamed friend said, when she comes out and says, you know, I think I might be bi or I think I'm bi. Her friend says, no, you're not. (laughs) End the conversation. And Mara, I, I love the term Mara uses. Uh, she says she was a gay keeper. That's pretty funny. <laughs> that was yes. clever. Gonna so Lindsay that. goes on for a while saying, you know, oh, you know, people assumed this was me because a bunch of people were tweeting about it. And then Mara was liking those tweets. And, you know, what an assumption. It was me. It was me. <laughs> I was that friend. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the weirdest part of the video, I where Lindsay so Ellis goes on this huge tangent about how people were assuming this was me, this unnamed friend, because Mara Wilson and I used to be friends and we're not anymore, and like Mara Wilson was liking tweets of people talking about it, and I don't know why, on no evidence, people would assume that I was the friend who said this, and I was totally the friend who said this. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> like, just skip to the end of that. Lindsay, yeah, like, like don't be defensive. All right. They're all right. Yeah. <laughs> Her defense of that is equally uncomfortable because Lindsay Ellis goes on and is like tries to explain herself and says like she brought it up one time and then never mentioned it again. And how was I supposed to know that it made her deeply uncomfortable? Uh, fucking of course she never mentioned it again. Your friend tried to come out to you and you completely shut her down. Yeah. Uh, fucking of course she never mentioned it again, Lindsay. Absolutely. What are you talking about? 
She she apologizes in her Lindsay way. Like this this is probably this is maybe the worst thing. This like this of, is what I'm mad about. Yeah, this is this makes me the maddest is her treatment of Mara Wilson and then trying to wriggle out of it by oh, like, saying like, "How was I to know that I had upset her?" This was this is not okay, Lindsay. And like her explanation to me is worse. Like honestly, makes it so much. Worse. Honestly, just be like, I said that. I was wrong, and I'm sorry. Like, do not try and explain why you thought that was okay, because it wasn't. And any explanation you provide as to why you thought it was okay merely serves to highlight how much your head was up your ass. Yeah. And might still be. (laughs) Yeah. Don't explain why you said it. Just shut the fuck up and be like, I don't know why I said that. That was really shitty of me. I'm sorry. That probably has a lot to do with why we're not friends anymore. She also kind of revels in the fact that she's not friends with Mara for whatever happened. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, fucking hell. Take a shot. (laughs) Take three. (laughs) So here's this one was troubling uh, because I feel bad for Lindsay because it's the 2009 rape rep video. Yeah, I'm going to defend this. Well, so what happened was Z feels the need that she has to trauma dump to explain her point, and she shouldn't have to. Nope. Yes. Mm -hmm. She explains her experience having been the victim of sexual violence and her roommate being the victim of sexual violence and what that was like for her and explains that, you know, years later... As a, and she, she was very raw in this part of the video, mm-hmm. uh, as a coping mechanism that she kind of laughs about. She wrote the script that her and her friends did a skit of where there's this rapist rapping at her and she keeps, you know, telling him no. And she shelved this video. She put it away in the archives, never to be looked at again. And Channel Awesome published it. <laughs> without her explicit consent. They just took it out of the archives to publish on a time slot that was meant for her, and they put it up there, and while she asked for it to be taken down, the internet is forever. Mm-hmm. So there are five million copies of that video still circulating around out there, and I feel bad for her. Totally. That sucks. That is absolutely shitty, and guys, if a woman is talking about rape on the internet... Assume she has a reason. Yeah, this was, I'm gonna gonna have to go off a little bit on everybody trying to fucking cancel her for this. A woman making a rape joke is very different than a man making a rape joke. And if you hear a woman making a rape joke, just, just keep your goddamn mouth shut. It's not about you. It's not for you. Leave her alone. Leave her the fuck alone. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit raw on this one too, but like... You know, I'm going to go from vehemently calling Lindsay Ellis a dumbass to telling everybody else to leave her the fuck alone. I mean, but well, like, you can be a dumbass and still make smart choices sometimes. Dumbasses <laughs> shouldn't have to explain their trauma to anyone. Yeah, <laughs> any more than anybody else. No one has to explain their trauma in order to justify the content they produce. Thank you. Ever man. for mm-hmm. any reason. And I 100% circle this back around to almost everything that happened in the Channel Awesome days I would give Lindsay Grace for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agreed. And I think Mm -hmm. that this, to an extent, does need to apply to earlier days on the internet. I know that a lot of people remember 2009, and so they're like, it wasn't that different. But yes, it was. And it especially was was on the internet. It was very different. 
It was Especially on the internet, yes. Incredibly different on the internet. It was just everyone's unchecked id just yes. roaming around the internet like a monster that consumes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so she, she was going through di- hard times. Everything was different on the internet. She was hanging around a bunch of boys that probably just unintentionally pressured her to not be one of... Yeah, no, what is it? Not like other girls kind of shit. Mm. People grow and change and develop and all sorts of embarrassing things are on the internet forever. And I, yeah, I 100% am on Lindsay's side for this one. Joking about trauma is fine. You don't have to explain yourself to anyone over the content you produce. And yeah, like... I, shame on y'all. Yeah, this this one... I, I Again, we've just spent the last hour talking about true grievances I have with things she said, and this is not one of them. Mm -mm. So that was the end of the list of her sins, big air quotes, which leads us into part five, the tweet, in which she describes the Raya tweet and what happened. And then she explains what she actually meant by the tweet and says, you know, the similarities she saw drawn were, you know, an element-based hero is awoken after years of being asleep and they jump from nation to nation and in each nation you learn a different skill and you're being chased by the Zuko or the you know prince from the bad nation that is you know trying to catch you to destroy you to win some sort of metaphorical honor and there's a long redemption arc so yeah that makes sense Uh what she said was not that (laughs) no yeah. Like I said, I have not seen Raya, Raya. I have not seen, I know of Avatar, I love Avatar. So I, I can't speak as to whether or not her assessment of its narrative similarities to Avatar is correct. But I definitely get that that's what she meant. And I'm definitely also not here to tell people that it was not also a microaggression to broadly compare two fantasy mm-hmm. settings of Asian inspiration together. I think both things can be true at the same time. Mm-hmm. By this point in the video, it's very obvious how raw she still is. Yes, how much she care. And that's yeah. another that's another strange thing is that her, her persona for a long time has been like, I don't care. <laughs> when, you know, she's like me, she's very sensitive on the inside, and so she adopts this persona of nonchalantism as a defense mechanism. <laughs> But, again, from one sensitive bitch to another, it shows. I'm sorry, y'all. This podcast is gonna go on forever. (laughs) Just real quick summary of the next three parts. Because the next three parts kind of bleed together, to be honest. They do. Part six was She Deserved It, which was people taking, you know, a celebration in her being cancelled and- And of uh, her deleting her Twitter. Yeah, showing up with all the receipts to justify that they're the good ones- So part seven is your next, which is, you know, defending her friends because so many people post Lindsay deleting her Twitter were like, Jenny's next, Sarah's next, Natalie's next, and she gets pretty upset about it. I mean, and that's fair. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't like it for, for people to be like, I've deleted you, now it's time to delete your friends. Mm-hmm. So part eight is the beast in which she explains that naming this phenomenon of um, public shaming via cancellation 
is just like putting a name to woke or cancel, that the right wings will take it and cannibalize it into their own meeting for future Fox News segments. Which I- fair, I guess. I mean, yeah, but, like, this already- this phenomenon already has a name. Like, it's- it's canceling, right? Or, Mm -hmm. like, just straight-up harassment or bullying. Like, this- this phenomenon is not new, it's just the scope at which it is able to be wielded now mm-hmm. because of Twitter. Like, it, this is this is exactly the same behavior as, like, getting bullied in a classroom. It's just that it's now a thousand people instead of fifteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So part nine is What Now? In which she acknowledges that she did receive some private messages from her patrons and through some emails support. I don't know what makes those emails different from the in-good-faith criticisms people were tweeting, but okay. She does acknowledge that she received support and appreciated it. I mean, yeah, because again, I don't think that this was a cancelable tweet. Like, no. I think that it was poor timing and we were all like, hey, Lindsay, bad wording, bad timing. Yeah, again, it is not <sighs> It is not the original tweet that I find, like, the, the embarrassing part. To yeah. me, it's her extreme doubling down defensiveness of people pointing out that it might have been insensitive. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting is in this part of the video too, to your earlier point, Kendra, she makes the point of actually saying, my biggest mistake is using Twitter in a way that many of my friends with fewer followers than myself did. Yes, Lindsay. Of course. <laughs> yes. Obviously. <laughs> like, yep. people have private accounts for that sort of shit. Yeah, and like again, she you you appear to think that you're a nobody, that you just have a best-selling book and a YouTube channel with millions of subscribers by pure accident, and, and, and it, most of us do. Yes, and it's nothing to do with you. And like, yeah, when you have a million subscribers, when you're a best-selling author, yes, Twitter is an extension of your PR, and just fucking live with it or don't have a Twitter. I don't understand how she can't seem to conceptualize that just because her platform is not on, say, the level of Ben Affleck, that doesn't (laughs) mean that she doesn't have any less amount of influence to a smaller group of people. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, like, she's not a household name. Like, she's not, like, a Lady Gaga or something. But, (laughs) yes, she's obviously hugely influential in the sphere of YouTube film criticism, which, again is not nothing. You're not nobody. And it's so strange how throughout this video, she tries to reduce the scope of her own platform of being like, how could anyone come for little old me? Yeah. So she ends the video with some good old fashioned. Well, she calls it part end. It can happen to you. And it's really honestly part fear mongering posed as like warning. Yes. The, the thing that's funny to me of part end it can happen to you is that it does Lindsay. Mm-hmm. it <laughs> this does happens to people all the time on a much smaller scale <laughs> without the resources and the defenders that you have this happens to people because they like a certain pairing in a video game and people call their place of work slandering them as a pedophile and they have no one to defend them Like, she talks about people sending, like, the rap video to PBS and stuff trying to get her fired. And, yeah, so now imagine that you don't have a reputation. You don't have 300,000 followers. You can't afford a lawyer. 
and you're just out of a job because aunties on the internet decided this was how to deplatform you and you were unworthy of employment. It happens to yeah. us all the time, Lindsay. We tried to tell you that this and is then you literally laughed at us. What was being trying to explain to you and Sarah Zed during the stupid fucking pincident and you No, but that was about fan fiction yeah. ethics. It was about fan fiction, so it's dumb and not real, I guess. Lols. Yeah. And yeah. then you continued to mock them in your video. In your apology video! Like, come on! <laughs> Lindsay, we appreciate you listening to this whole video. <laughs> From start to finish, I know you're still here. Please contact me. I look forward to your in good faith criticism. We should have a live stream! We should absolutely have a debate live stream. <laughs> And so, like, I do want to say, like, now having spent the last two hours completely dragging her for her dumb takes, I do think that she absolutely makes some salient points about the act of cancellation, especially on Twitter, and how how so much of our interaction now has to be about what she calls threat modeling and having to sort of predict, like, the worst possible interpretation of every single thought in order to even share it on Twitter because someone out there will take your tweet, however benign, and construe it to be racist or homophobic or transphobic or something. And that's absolutely something that happens, and Mm -hmm. I don't want to say that it doesn't. She mentions how, you know, the world's terrible right now, and fascism is on the rise, and marginalized peoples really can't affect the change that they wish they could be able to, especially against, like, real, actual hate speech artists, like, you know, a Ben Shapiro or something. Because Ben Shapiro doesn't give a fuck. Like, Ben Shapiro Mm -hmm. doesn't think I'm a human being. He has no shame. never mind, is worried about coming across as homophobic. So... I can't lob accusations of homophobia or transphobia at Ben Shapiro and know that he will be affected by them. That's part of his fucking brand. But I can lob those accusations at people who care about being perceived as transphobic or homophobic and affect some sort of change against them. A little taste of that power is addictive. Being able to inflict damage on someone is powerful and being able to do it in the guise of a righteous cause no matter how dubious your righteousness actually is is addictive and i'm sure that a lot of people absolutely revel in that righteousness i know aunties do and i think Lindsay, you do need to acknowledge that you admit it you admit it you did acknowledge that you have participated in that sort of behavior before So this weird, sarcastic, woe-is-me attitude you take in your video really frustrated me. That was was the crux of my frustration, is either be sarcastic or be sincere. You have to pick one or the other here. For sure. Yeah, you can't, like, bounce around in a single video. Anyway, I think we talked about the thing. I hope so. I hope you can... I'm fucking done talking about the thing now. It was a lot, y'all. Are we ending with a happy? Do you guys have a quick happy? I have a happy... I'm going to get into crochet. I'm really excited. I'm really, really excited to get into crochet. I haven't started it yet. Everybody I love is getting lumpy coasters. I'm super excited. (laughs) 
That's my happy. Awesome. I look forward to lumpy coasters. You're going to get so many lumpy coasters, Bliss. You have to make them in the ship colors for all my favorite ships. I'll do it. Yeah. Are there ship colors? Sometimes. For like anime and stuff where people are color coded. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's just when the ship characters are color coded like in cartoons. Gotcha. Okay. Well then, sorry for the long one, y'all. It was a lot to talk about. I hope you, should you not want to watch the Lindsay video, uh, feel informed. If you want to find us online, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Blissfully Show. I post links to our YouTube videos there. If you're watching on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe. Lindsay, I look forward to receiving an email with your in good faith <laughs> criticism of my in good faith criticism. <laughs> We'll have a criticism <gasps> loop. No, no, no. We gotta do. We gotta do a debate live stream. Yeah. Get those sponsorship oh, yeah. dollars. We'll schedule that, Lindsay. Get get your people in contact with my people. Absolutely. Kendra. Am I the people? Kendra, you're my people. Got it. <laughs> Until next time, y'all. Bye. Bye, bye, everyone. Happy four twenty. Woo! Happy four twenty. Lazy. feeling that like if we ever knew each other in real life we would not be friends